Hi, I'm Phil. And I'm Shane. And welcome to episode number 32 of My Tech Opinion. And this week's episode, we're talking about online gambling. So let's get the show underway now. Welcome to episode number 32 of My Tech Opinion, a podcast that talks to you about uh, a little bit of tech news and also a feature topic every week um, where we go into a little bit of in-depth discussion about something. And in this week's episode, we are talking about online gambling and some of the opportunities, but also some of the problems involved with it. But I am joined by my regular host, Shane Johnston. G'day, Shane. How are you? Yeah, good, Phil. You? Good, thanks. And... Um, yeah, not too bad. What's been happening in, since uh, we started our last episode? Um, on the house front, I have put in an offer on a house up in the um, uh, closer to home, and or well, clo- closer to home. <laughs> Everywhere I move to will be closer to home, um, closer to work. And um, I was panicking a little bit around the deposit because I don't have it all in one place. It's one right. of those cases where I've got. A bit here in this credit card, a bit here in this credit card, but I can't transfer it because I can only use the credit card to do certain things and and transferring from one account to the other isn't one of those things and so I had to um I had to ask a a, a former family member if they would let me borrow the money. Right. And we got it all sorted? Well, they were supposed to come around um sort of now ish and um yeah, and do the transfer and all that kind of stuff, but because this is was delayed originally, and then it was even delayed even more because I don't know how to use my own equipment. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's got postponed. So as long as the transfer happens in enough time for the money to hit my account by Friday, everything should be good. And have you been the offer been accepted? Yeah, well they counted. Um, so they were advertising at three hundred four. I came in at two ninety five, two ninety five. Um, and then they came down to 299. So they dropped five and I went up four. So they dropped more than I went up. Cool. Well, congratulations. Oh, I've got to sell this place yet. Right. Oh, because the subject. Yes. The fun and games of house ownership. Yeah. And we got, and I got another photographer coming around on Tuesday. So, yeah. And it's weird because there's only me. So there's two, three, three rooms in the whole house that have got stuff in. And then the rest of the, you know, the rest of the house is empty. So the photos are going to look weird as it is because you're going to look, have one bedroom that's got stuff in, one study that's got stuff in, and then do I what do I do with the stuff that's kind of in the study? Because I've got you know a switch and a printer and all that kind of stuff all on one table, but the cables. Just in- get the switch and put it into the lounge room by itself and see if people think it's weird. <laughs> Good do. Good do. Yeah, because I mean after today, um, I don't need all the like the podcasting equipment and everything until next time around. Um, so that's the pain in the bum too, yeah, pulling it apart, putting it away. Hey, I've got to put off all my, as of uh, mid to late January, I've got to put all my stuff in storage. Yeah, but once so. you've done that, it stays there. You're not pulling it apart and putting it back together every couple of days. True, true. Hey. But anyway, we'll but get there. That's more, all right. More pressing, and it's a shame that we're not doing video at the moment because I could kind of get a wider scope of opinion, but – I've been doing Movember, in case you hadn't noticed. I've got a little bit of growth. Right. It's an important decision coming up because it's... A bit of a dirty Sanchez. Yeah. It's the end of November in a couple of days' time. Do I shave it off or do I keep it? Um, My instinct is to shave it off, but that said, that's me and it's your choice. That's true. Probably need a female opinion. Hmm. Yeah, I am. I'm not a facial hair person. I get about four or five days growth and go. This is annoying me. I need to shave. Well, I'm surprised that I've stuck it out this long, to be honest. Um, and yeah, everyone else that at work that had done it, like by about day three, they had the full friggin' Murphy's kind of David Boone mustache, and here I was with nothing. Wispy. Yeah. Let's call you wispy. Yeah. 
And um, so, uh, any other exciting news? Um, no, the only other thing coming up on Friday that I'm looking forward to, everything's happening on Friday, is the Shania Twain concert. So there you go. I'm showing my age by saying that. Yeah, that doesn't impress me much. <laughs> but, uh, oh, anyway. Uh, did you buy anything at the Black Friday sales that just uh, occurred in the last couple of days? No, I looked and I looked at drones because that was our last episode. I got inspired by drones. Then this whole kind of um, deposit thing for this house kind of got in the road and then my rates came in the mail today and so, yeah, the drone has to wait. And it was my dad's birthday. I should, should have probably mentioned that. It was my dad's birthday yesterday. He turned 80. Happy birthday, Shane's dad. Yeah, I'll let him know. So, um, so yeah, so we went up to my brother's place and um, last night and did the whole cake thing and and dinner and all that kind of stuff. I went. Oh, I was running a bit late, so it took me over an hour to get there. I hung around there for about an hour, fed me face a bit, did the cake thing, and I <laughs> I don't know whether it's because of his age or because he smokes. Or because we had those, I don't know if we even used those candles that just take a bit more effort to go out. But <laughs> he was struggling to blow out the candles. Had a bit of a, a bit of a wheeze. That's right. Yeah, but even my brother, who also smokes, he tried to help him and they couldn't do it between the two of them. Ah, uh, it's all good. <laughs> it's funny. Well, yeah. No, no, you were right. Um, I um, followed my own, our own advice from our drone episode and during Black Friday sales, I bought a drone. Oh, you did. I knew one of us would have. Yeah. So uh, I got that on Friday night. My wife went away for the weekend and um, I thought, well, this is my opportunity to go and spend some money without being talked out of it. So uh, I went and bought a DJI Spark. So does she know that you've got it yet or you're still hiding it in the cupboard? I don't know. I owned up to it, oh. but I'd already paid for it. So. I'd been I'd been suggesting that I was going to make this purchase. All right. But I'm using it because when we do our house build, I'm going to use it to do flyover shots. Yeah. So the Spark, that's the one that it's got the follow it's got the follow you functionality and all that kind of stuff as well. Yeah, so it's probably so DJI have a number of different models. They've got the Tello, which is a only a couple of hundred dollars and it's a very basic level drone. And then really their entry-level proper drone is the Spark, yeah. and then they go up to the Mavic, Mavic Air, and what have you there in the twelve to $1,500 mark starting at. And it's going beyond what I would use it for. So um, the, the, the Spark had a, a deal on, which was the Fly More combo, so you got some extra propellers and a carry case and all that sort of stuff. So that's what I went for. So done, purchased. Where did you get it from? Uh, an authorised reseller called D1 Store. Ah, uh, so you didn't go JBI Fire or Amazon or any of those? No, but they guaranteed a price match. So, um, and I'd rather support a small business. And in fact, because I paid for it on Amex, Amex gave me a $10 credit. Oh, wow. Because I shopped small. So there you go. Cool. So, yes, so um, that was all very exciting. And um, I got a couple of um, a Blu-ray during the sales as well. I watched uh, Mission Impossible Fallout again on Friday night. Very loud. No one else home. So uh, I was able to um, uh, send myself deaf again. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, well, let's continue on with the show. In the um, a couple of things that happened this week, Shane, you mentioned um, we talked a couple of weeks ago or last week about uh, Twit getting in trouble from Apple as a result of rebroadcasting their um, keynote uh, event um, and uh, Apple have backed down. What happened with that? Well, again, it was one of those things where I just happened to be listening to a podcast at the right time where um, Leo had said that, you know, that they didn't want to pursue it any further than they already had and then obviously some sort of time period elapsed and, and he's now back um, up and running. I'm going to try and I should have done this before the show because I imagine if I go and click on live, what if I can turn the sound off of the just on the um on this web page? We'll find out. 
Yeah, that's right. Okay. And I can always edit it out later. Yeah, so YouTube Live is back on the list. So that there wasn't that last time, so it's back on the list now. Good move. Yep. Yeah. David beat Goliath again. There you go. Or they've come to an agreement or something like that. Yeah, you know. It probably just wasn't worth pursuing, I guess. Um, the other thing, um, so yeah, I'll, I'll be interesting to see if there was any mention of what the details were on that, but we'll, we'll have to have a look at that. Um, the other thing that occurred, uh, only yesterday, uh, as we record this, um, uh, the Labor Party win the Victorian state election. Not that we talk about politics much on the show, but it does follow our episode from last week because one of the key things that, um, the Victorian Labor Party were announcing as one of their platforms was reduced um, solar panel and battery installations for houses in Victoria. And that was one of their key planks. And interestingly, the the Federal Labor Party are pushing a similar um, agenda going into the federal election as well. So uh, Labor um, have been uh, in Victoria campaigning and the Federal Party will campaign on the solar p- panel credential situation uh, going forward. So, um, yeah, it seems to be the flavour. Solar and batteries are the flavour of the month in politics, so it seems. So we've got a Labor government over here in WA that's running the joint at the moment. I wonder if they'll jump on the bandwagon. Depends if they think they're going to lose an election or not. Yeah, so I think we're a while, miles away from our election. As um as the um, premier said during his acceptance or can you know victory speech last night that he believes that the Victorian government is the most progressive government in the country. So there you go. But uh, yeah, with, without talking particular politics, but um, yeah, I think it's regardless of of personal beliefs, I think it's actually good that um, things like you know pr- encouraging solar panel. And uh, individual power creation is a um, a good thing. Mm. I flip-flop when it comes to politics. I've always considered myself a, you know, more kind of right-wing leaning, like, like a small L liberal maybe. But then, you know, you have these things that, um, that the Labor Party are doing around, you know, all the renewable energy and, and whether climate change is a thing or not, which I all agree with. So then that kind of thing's, well, am I really? The only thing that, I don't really want to talk into, turn this into a politics show, but I mean, there's things on both sides that I don't like. I mean, there's the union stuff on the on on the Labor side I'm not a real fan of, but then, you know, if you go too far right, then I'm not a fav, in favour of, you know, the all the stuff that someone like a Tony Abbott or a Pauline Hanson or any of those kind of jump up and down about either. Yeah, look, and I, I'm, um, uh, I probably say I'm centre right, really, but I'm more of a centrist person. And, um, but the whole thing is, is that the they're trying to follow American politics and appealing to their fringe groups rather than looking at the core constituency that actually make the decision on who votes in and not. Yeah. Um, and, uh, if the Federal Liberal Party continue the way they're going, which we know that they will, they are gone-ski yeah. by the time the election occurs in May next year. So yeah. um, the the issue that they really need to change their tone on is social policy, and uh, they had a policy around same-sex marriage, and uh, they had a vote, um, uh, the, the, the survey last year, and that was a resounding um, uh, throw to the party core party belief or the core people in the party belief because it's not a core party belief and um they need they didn't take heed to that quite clearly and what have you so anyway enough about politics i brought it up mainly because i thought it was uh um uh interesting that they were uh you know uh, running a platform partly around um these sort of things and that we talked about last week and it was successful for them so there you go um, the other thing that's come out this week is that Facebook um, have had to admit that they were using a PR firm uh, called Definers um, to um, 
spread some propaganda. So Facebook said, we hired definers in 2017 as part of our f- efforts to diversify our DC advi- Washington, D.C. advisors after the federal election. Like many companies, we needed to broaden our outreach. We also faced growing pressure from competitors in tech, telcos, and media companies that want government to regulate us. The pressure became um, particularly acute in September 2017 after we released details of Russian interference on our service. We hired firms associated with both Republicans and Democrats. Definers was one of the Republican-affiliated firms. They said what we asked them to do and what did they do. Um, While they're continuing to review their relationship with Definers, they know the following. We asked the definers to do what public relations firms typically do to support a company, send us press clippings, conduct research, writing messages, document, and reaching out to reporters. Some of this work is being characterized as opposition research, but they believe it would be irresponsible and unprofessional for us not to understand the backgrounds and potential conflicts of interests on our critics. Um, they, I'm not going to read all of it, but we'll include the link to the Facebook blog post but it was effectively they've been accused of creating fake news quite ironically to push the facebook position particularly as a result of the backlash over the 2016 federal election yeah. um do you think facebook were like do you think they did the right thing do you think that they honestly didn't know what was happening um you know, are they only owning up to it now that they've been caught? I, I don't think that they fully thought it through. I don't think that they expected the information or the data to kind of be used in the way that it was used. Um, I think they were probably naive or they just thought, you know, let's make all this data available and then what people do with it is completely up to them. Um, and they I don't think they realised or they thought that one of those things would be potentially to influence people um, in in voting an election. I, I'm going to give you a weird analogy. This is going to be really weird and I want you to stick with me. Okay. Facebook are like... When, when I got my dog about 10 years ago, we took, uh, took the dog to puppy preschool. Now she's a tiny little Maltese Shih Tzu. Hang on, I've got to but one of concentrate. The, You've gone on to yeah. different tangents. I know, I know. But one of the dogs that were in the in the puppy preschool group was a Great Dane. Now the Great Dane, at only fifteen weeks old or something like that, was about ten kilos, probably bigger. By the time it grew into an adult, it's probably about fifty kilos. Yep. But the point is, is that it looks around at all the other puppies that are there and they're all these tiny little dogs and they sneak off and no one notices the difference. But when a Great Dane puppy that weighs three times the weight of what my dog does as a fully grown adult dog decides to sneak across the room to try and steal a treat or something like that, you notice it. It doesn't realize how big it is. And as far as I'm concerned, Facebook are stupidly naive, personal opinion, of course, about the position that they're in and the control that they have. Yep. They are the puppy great Dane of the social media or the media landscape. And they think that we can do this, they can do that, and that they're going to hide it, not create any ramifications. The fact is, is that Facebook is probably one of the biggest directors of news information you know, pushing out worldwide because they, you know, they may not create the news, but certainly people can access the news. And we've seen, as we've talked about in the past, that in some Asian countries, people use Facebook is the internet for them. So the fact is, is that they need to come to the realization that things that they can do have a massive, massive impact and they should not be so stupidly naive or pretend to be so stupidly naive that if they try and get this propaganda out there, that they won't get caught. Now, what they did, pretty shit, but they got caught and now they're trying to cover up on it or act stupid or something like that. At what point in time and at what point size-wise 
does a company go from a startup to just a company? Oh, well, Facebook's well, well it's Facebook are well past that. But the thing is, is that you know, um, Apple can influence things because of you know, and Microsoft can because, for example, um, it's changed a bit now. But you know, the most visited website in Australia up until a few years ago was Nine MSN. Yep. And the reason was because it was the default web page on Microsoft Internet Explorer browsers. Um, but they certainly, yeah, they would have some aggregation level of what the news was, but Apple don't make content. They leave that content up to others. But Facebook, their practices will determine the content that you see mm-hmm. and that the system can be gamed. They don't believe it can, but the system can be gamed. And um, and because of the type of company they are, that's the influence that they have. Yep. You know, like, oh, shush. Um, but, yeah, I think that's the thing. It depends on the company because, you know, you might have an oil company that's one of the biggest companies in the world, but it doesn't have the same social impact. might have a financial impact, but not the social impact. So, yeah, it's there is a point there that, Particularly in social media, once they hit a certain point, yes, they've gone over the limit. But I don't think, you know, Facebook passed that point a long time ago. That's why I said anyway. Mm, no, fair enough. Anyway, that's uh, enough for, for the news this week. I think we've we've covered enough and you've heard us talk about politics and, and all that sort of stuff more than enough. We are going to talk probably a little bit more politics in a different way though, because we're going to take a very short break and we are going to have uh, our feature topic, which this week is uh, on online gambling here on My Tech Opinion. We'll be back straight after this. And welcome back to My Tech Opinion. It's now time for our feature topic. And this week we are talking online gambling. Before I jump into that, though, Shane, I was a bit remiss before to not mention our sponsors. Um, we'd like to thank uh, Aussie Tech Heads Web Hosting for great hosting plans and support. Visit athwebhosting.com.au and get your website out there and online and doing all the things that it needs to do. So thanks very much to Glenn and everyone there. Um, anyway, it is time for our feature topic. We are talking about online gambling. Um, there's so many angles that we can take to this. I suppose let's talk about what it is first and foremost. So uh, online gambling can take a shape in many different forms. One of those is... I suppose it's people who can sit at home and be a keyboard warrior, jump online, chuck their credit card, their details in to a website or a service and start playing there. Now, it can be anything from what we would call as innocuous as lotto. I mean, I buy my lotto tickets online these days um, through to, um, you know, TAB or horse betting online whether it be through a totalizer service or such as the TAB or going through one of the, the betting companies, then going into the world of online slots or online pokies and then, um, you know, poker and unscrupulous overseas betting and things like that. So there's Australian-based services and then, of course, there's international-based services as well. Are you an online gambler, Shane? I did a little bit when I was caught up in peer pressure of years, or probably about 10 or so years ago. I was um, at work and you know, there's a couple of us that sort of opened up TAB accounts and we'd put bets on, you know, we usually do those combo bets where this soccer team had to win and this cricket result had to come in and all this kind of stuff and yeah, you know, the so you're dealing with relatively low outlay, high return type stuff. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, you know, before that and really after that, although I didn't do it this year, I you know the only thing I'd really bet on would be the Melbourne Cup. Yep, um, I'm a I play Lotto online because then I don't have to go to a shop. And the other reason why I play Lotto online is not about buying the tickets; it's actually about checking the ticket because I'm notoriously bad for actually checking tickets. 
So I will build up a pile of tickets. And then by the time, if you don't check them and you've got a prize within a certain period of time, they go into like this weird trust account and then you've got to apply for it from someone, this government agency and all this sort of stuff. So, um, so I just do it online because then if I win a prize, they just automatically credit it to my account. Um, but I haven't, and I've done online betting for horses. I, um, as you probably are as well by the sound of it, I don't believe I have a gambling problem in the sense that I will stop and I need to stop. I don't sit there and go, I need to have a bet. And I don't sit there and go, I've got no money. You know, like I'm not chasing losses after losses. Um, but yes, I'm certainly a casual betting person. So um, that's sort of where we're positioned. So we're not saying this, we're, you know, coming to it from a perspective of, well, what are your options? We're not going to talk about particular brand names in in general on this. We don't want to encourage someone to go to a website, but go from there. But um, as we said, there, there's multiple options. And I think that the dangerous ones, I, it, there's poker machines and there's sports betting and things like that. But the dangerous ones, I think, become potentially online poker and online poker machines and things like that, where you can just sit there and churn through and churn through and churn through. And the the real concern, I believe, is offshore con- uh, operators because they're not bound by some of the Australian rules on bet limits or you know um, maintaining thing, you know, like maintaining a certain standard. They will just take the money and go, yep. uh, and then you can potentially be chasing you know, bet after bet after bet. To be perfectly honest, I have never gone the online gaming route. So I've done horse betting, the lotto, as I mentioned, um, but I've never gone to the point of, you know, playing poker and things like that. But I know that those services are around there. Some people are very successful at it, um, and then they turn that into a bit of a real-world poker obsession, which I think would be have to be a very different game because at least behind a screen – you're not getting the visual cues of people. You're only basing it on the bets rather than the tells that they have in person. Yep. And then you're adding a whole new dimension when you go into into online, uh, when you're going into real-world type gambling. The thing is, do you think Australia has a problem with gambling? I haven't looked at the, the, the stats to, either way to sort of say, yes, we do or no, we don't. Um, I know that we've got a lot of rules and regulations around it and they seem to be, I think they're at two levels. They're state-based and they're also um, federal kind of rules. I know with WA, even if you're on a cruise ship, as soon as you come into WA waters, um, all the gambling and everything on that cruise ship stops because yep. we've got a rule over here that we've only the only place we're allowed to gamble is at our, our Birdswood Casino. Yep. Um, so even if the cruise ship is like you know up north somewhere, it's not even Burswood Casino anymore. It's been taken over by Crown. Crown yeah, whatever it's called. <laughs> Still in the Head suburb of Burswood. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. Look, Australia. I think Australia has this. You know. I mean, God, Melbourne has a public holiday for a horse race. Yes. On top of that, we are. Australia has the highest number of poker machines per capita than any other country in the world. All right. Do you not know that? And I think that, you know, a bit of our history with uh, going back to the Anzacs with two up, you know, being effectively legal on Anzac Day and things like that, I think is that we're a nation of punters. So I think we get sucked in very well. But then adding the added dimension of online gambling so being able to do it online from the comfort of your own home, you don't need to get up and go to the TAB, you don't need to go to the casino, you can do it at home, makes it a pretty interesting prospect, to be perfectly honest. So um, the government, uh, as they've seen that grow, the government, uh, as they tend to uh, want to do, they've brought in a couple of uh, a different... Um, uh, measures and things like that to, to ongoing gambling. So before we actually get into that, the one thing I was going to say was that the one thing that sort of horror, we went through a phase and that obviously got paired back quite quickly 
But the betting companies, because we've sort of had a, I don't know if it's a deregulation, but an influx of different betting companies who are trying to outdo each other, yeah. they were sponsoring uh, the, um, you know, whether it be football broadcasts, sports broadcasts, you know, various sports broadcasts. And I remember sitting at the football at the MCG and they would bring up the odds during the quarter time and half time breaks about how the game's going and that you could log in and bet right there and there yeah, on the, the outcome of the game that you're watching. Yeah. So it's not it's not good. And the government have gone, well, you know, we're pushing this to an audience that, you know, is supposed to be a family-friendly audience, that they're going to start reducing that down substantially. I know it still happens a bit on radio, but um, it's certainly not as prevalent as it was at the, at the grounds. But I remember getting, like, as I said, I'm not a big better, and I, I think I set up an account for the once a year that I would bet on football, which is, you know, if that, and having, you know, the iPhone with the fingerprint sensor and now the face ID sensor, the thing I thought was cool was that at least if I was drunk, I would need to remember a password to get in and type it in properly. And then, of course, now that you can log into accounts with face ID and touch ID, you can be off your head and all you need to do is press something on a screen to start spending money. Yeah, it's not good. Which I find a bit horrific. And, you know, you can make it go very, very quickly. So, obviously I know that... I think it's become too easy. I know that the fi- the fingerprint thing and the face thing gets you into the phone. So, what you're saying is even to the, into the app, they've actually, they're using the same sort of technology. So, once you get into the phone, you can get straight into the app the same way. Yeah, so so obviously what, what Apple um, do, and, and I'm sure that the the other providers, because I'm obviously an Apple user, they make the credential that, the, that you've set up, whether it be Face or Touch ID, as a credential available to authenticate a user. So when I first install the app, I type in my user ID and my password, and then it says, okay, I've authenticated you. From now on, would you like to use the pre or the phone credential to log you into that account? Uh-huh, okay. So then from that point on, it will store the information in the encrypted um, safe and then it will use your face or touch ID to then authenticate you. So it makes it easier. When I do that with my internet banking, I do it with 1Password, I do it with all these different apps that I have on my phone. Like the amount that you, like when you're using the touch ID, you sort of go, oh, my finger's just sitting on the sensor and it just works. With the face ID, it becomes a bit more prevalent because you're holding up the device to your face to, to do that authentication, you realize how much you actually use it. There's been a couple of times where I've been switching between three or four apps and each time I, to each different app, it uses my credential to authenticate me. I suppose the point is, is that it's become so easy to spend money. Yep. And, and the thing is, at least if I buy something on Amazon, I can go back and cancel it or I can return the item. Once that money is gone on a betting thing, it's gone. Yeah. It is, it ain't, it's not coming back. Yep. So, you know, um, so there's that option. Now, the thing is, is that at least if you're betting with an Australian provider, they are paying the appropriate requisite tax for the state that they're based in and at least you're contributing to the Australian economy. The minute you're going with an offshore provider, that money is out. And because of the technology involved, they don't need to make huge returns. So they will offer you better bets and all this sort of thing to try and get you sucked in. So that's, you know, that's how they work. That's just how they operate. So the government's brought in a couple of uh, rules regarding uh, advertising. Um, so or firstly, Interactive Gambling Act. Now, you've mentioned in the, in the show notes, Shane, that in June 2001, the Australian government passed the Interactive Gambling Act. The government said the IGA was important to protect Australians from the harmful effects of online gambling. The offence applies to all interactive gambling service providers, whether based in Australia or offshore, whether Australian or foreign-owned. The IGA makes it offence to provide an interactive gambling service to a customer physically present in Australia, but it's not an offence for an Australian residents to play poker or casino games online. Sports betting online is, no, is legal in Australia, with many state government licensed sports books in operation. Um, so that's, you know, we were going through, as that's what we were saying, you know, there was that it's they've gone the angle of it's an offence to provide that service into Australia. How they persecuted, prosecuted, I don't know. 
but it's not an offence for the individual to play. But, you know, the, like there's got to be an element of responsibility. I know that gambling's quite addictive and, and people will go to Gamblers Anonymous when they've got other issues and things like that. But they've, you know, that's just... But they're saying so that 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 legislation came in some time ago, but they're what they're they're saying, and and this was reported by the ABC News a couple of years ago. They've said uh, some teenagers are racking up debts of thirty thousand dollars through online sports betting, and the number of young people asking for help has doubled in three years. Wow. Yeah. So they're saying that it's and particularly with men, it's a growing issue, um, and particularly in the eighteen to twenty five demographic. So the reporters in that said it said uh, in the past three years we've seen it. So remember this was written in 2015. In the past three years we've seen a doubling of the number of people from that demographic. In 2012 they had 23 going into a particular service, and last year they had 50. And then in 2000, so that's 2014, 2015 they're on track to see more. It seems that young men who are who are the ones who are getting themselves into trouble, and guess that's particularly related to the fact it's tied to sports and horse betting because those sorts of gambling are always the preferred sports of preferred men's, sorry, the men's preferred forms of gambling. Um, and they're saying basically using sports knowledge to make money ultimately a false belief. Yep. The thing is, I think people chase their they chase their bad bets. So they don't they might have a win, they get the adrenaline for it and they keep going, and then they're just racking up debt after debt after debt. And they become increasingly erratic in trying to recover the losses that they've had. Um so yeah, look, it's 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 an issue and you know, as I said, the the ability to do it um from home is an additional thing. Um, and there's also an argument that some computer games are actually supporting this sort of culture um, with things like, you know, purchasing loot crates in certain games or, you know, rolling the dice on certain, you know, upgrades that you can get that you might have to pay for. It's effectively a form of gambling. Like you're not necessarily going to get a product that you exactly know what you're getting, what you're paying for. There's just a risk, a level of risk involved. Yeah. And it normalizes the process. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So before we move on to our next topic, it was another article that I will link to um, that's a paper in the that was published by the Australian Institute of Criminology, a government department. And it's quite a decent paper on uh, internet gambling um, that's been used as a study uh, on that. Um, it said uh, there are three there are three heads of power in the Australian Constitution which would per- permit a Commonwealth role, the power of telecommunications and thus the control of telecommunications technology. This would apply whether or not Australia legalises or prohibits internet and interactive technology, the power over banking and cross-jurisdictional financial transfers, and the external affairs power. Cyberspace gambling will inevitably generate disagreements between nations on standards and legislation and perhaps more serious international disputes. I'm taking a statement out of an individual, like a, a large thing that I recommend people have a read of. It's basically saying the government can intervene, one, through telecommunications laws, but alternatively they can also do it through, you know, requiring banks to stop transferring money to, to gambling services and things like that, particularly overseas, but also looking at where the issues are for, you know, what are the foreign affairs implications to this sort of thing as well. Because if they... um uh, what that will mean if, uh, it, in terms of having a standardised approach to these sort of things. And the problem is, is that company or countries will allow services to operate within their borders because, yes, they might be paying tax and they might be paying a low level of tax, but they'd rather a low level of tax than them paying tax somewhere else. Yeah. So, And it's the same issue with taxation. It's, it's always This is the thing with the internet is that borders have been blown out completely on this um, and it creates a live an additional level of of concern that uh, you know in terms of how you police it because you know you want a free and open internet well to a level the government clearly doesn't but um, you know how do you let people do that but then not do that as well uh, the next thing that we were going to talk about was advertising yep so 
Under Part 7A of the Interactive Gambling Act, it's generally illegal to advertise interactive online gaming to Australian audiences. It applies to all forms of media, both electronic and non-electronic, including advertising over the internet, broadcast services, print media, billboards, and hoardings. It means that websites designed specifically for an Australian audience will not be able to carry interactive gambling advertisements. There are exceptions, including political advertising, incidental or um, or accidental advertising, and advertising in imported print publications or websites that are not aimed specifically at an Australian audience. Um, internet service providers are generally protected under the criminal code from liability for third-party content that's innocently transmitted over their networks. In other words, an internet service provider or third party can be can only be guilty if they knowingly or recklessly transmitted the advertisement. I wonder how this applies when you're looking at online betting platforms such as, um, well, Ladbroke Sports Bet, things like that. Like, do they have because they've got a physical presence in the country? Are they okay to do that? Because they're all sort of you know using apps and and um, websites and all that sort of stuff. So I wonder how they... Get around it. Um, get around it. Because um, as soon as you're reading that, I'm th- straight away all those companies kind of sprung to mind because, you know, you see them advertise, you know, in during the news even, you know, because they usually kind of sponsor the sports section. Unless, like you said, yeah, because they're a physical company as well maybe. Look, I think that uh, gambling advertising appears to be based around... Uh, particularly sports betting. So, and there seems to be some exceptions to that. So, uh, in the Victorian Responsible Gambling Foundation, have said gambling advertising has increased rapidly over the past decade. While smartphones, uh, apps, and social media have multiplied the marketing possibilities, a High Court decision in 2008 all pl- also played a major part in a dramatic increase in gambling advertising. The effect of the ruling was to allow bookmakers to offer bets anywhere in Australia. The ruling also made it clear that states and territories are unlikely to be permitted to be banned advertising from other parts of the country. The states and territories with bans, including Victoria, amended their legislation to remove them. The High Court case and subsequent ban removal uh, resulted in significant rise in number of gambling companies operating across Australia and a highly competitive market. According to the Standard Media Index, the gambling industry spent two fifty three point two million on advertising two thousand seven. That's a lot of money, up from eighty nine point seven in two thousand eleven. This excludes sponsorship and in program content such as during live sports broadcasts. In Victoria, mass media pokies advertising is banned. Um, however, there is a rising community concern about the proliferation of sports betting advertising, advertising, particularly its effect on young people. In Australia, the advertisements for betting products are not permitted during TV programs classified G or lower from 6 to 8, 6 to 8.30 a.m. and from 4 to 7 p.m. or in programs directed to children between 5 a.m. and 8.30 p.m. Until 2018, these restrictions excluded sports broadcasts. On the 30th of March, bans on gambling advertising during broadcasts of live sport were introduced between 5 a.m. and 8.30 p.m. The the Australian Communications and Media Authority has more on gambling advertising rules during live sports. So we'll include a link to that in our show notes. Some interesting stats. One in four children can name four gambling can name one in four children can name four gambling brands or more. That's shocking. <laughs> yep. So um look, it's an ongoing problem. Do you think that the government so it's illegal we've said it's illegal regarding online casinos and gambling in the country and advertising them to people like we're talking about the online things. Sports betting's obviously classed as something different. Do you think that we should be do you think we should be treating people as adults and letting them make the decisions for themselves? Or do you think that the government should be stepping in? And what I mean by that is, okay, so we've got some manning of advertising during sporting events. Should they go so far now as saying, well, okay, we've got that ban in, but using powers that they might have under internet regulations like private, you know, blocking piracy websites and what have you, should the government step in and start banning particularly overseas operators from uh, 
are working in the Australian market. See, this kind of circles back to the politics stuff we were talking about at the beginning of the episode. Yeah, it does. Um, Should the government step in and take control and in, in turn limit what we can do on the internet because then it does become a freedom of speech thing, but because in this case it could be for the greater good. Generally speaking, I'm a person that believes in less government, less regulation. But having said that, there are people that have a, have an issue with gambling and have is, issues with alcohol and have issues with smoking and it becomes a a health issue. But clearly the governments are addicted to the revenue. That's why they're happy to let the local providers operate. Yeah. You go, well, it's a it's a public service that we're stopping you accessing overseas services, but really they're protecting the revenue internally. See, because as I said earlier, we've only got the one casino in the suburb of Burswood that's run by Crown. Um, and it's the only place that there's pokies in Western yes. Australia too, is that correct? So now I don't know what the story is in Victoria, but I know obviously in New South Wales you've got your leagues clubs and all that kind of stuff because that's how they survive from a financial yep. point of view. AFL football um, teams don't have pokies and all that kind of stuff, do they? Yeah, they oh, do. do they? Yeah, there's a pressure on them to get rid of them, and some have been got. Some clubs have got rid of them, some haven't. So uh, the club I support, Hawthorne, still has uh, two venues, I think. Oh, okay. See, because obviously our rules over here with the the one place only having pokies, we're not exposed to it. So I wonder how West Coast and Frio kind of survive. Then they must be subsidised somehow because they're not allowed to. Yeah, but then they're in a different competitive market. So you've only got two clubs in Western Australia, um, whereas Melbourne has nine or something. Yeah. So it's a different market. Look, my my personal opinion, and this is going out of the online gambling world a little bit, but the mistake that they made in Victoria is that there's clearly too many pokies, A, and two, they've made they at the time they made it a free for all. So, basically, it was private companies that owned the venues or the machines themselves. Now, this has changed in New South Wales, but it's still, you know, the the leagues, clubs and that survive. But I would rather see that sporting clubs or community clubs are the ones that own pokies. So... For example, in Melbourne, near my one of the offices I work in, there's the Box Hill RSL. Now, that Box Hill RSL has poker machines, and the profits that they, they get out of them, they reinvest back into the facilities, and they also reinvest into the people that they support. And it's continued to build the strength of that club and the facilities that they have. I've got no issue, like, uh, you know, there are obviously concerns about people with addiction and things like that, but I've got no issue because they will have a level of community responsibility about what they do there. But when you've got then the pubs that are owned by or co-owned by Woolworths and other people, any money that you lose at those, that's their profit, goes into their bottom line. So I'd rather see the money, like I'd rather a club like Hawthorne have pokies than a private private operator. And that's just my opinion. There's other issues involved in that. Don't know what they are. Um, or, you know, but the, and there's social concerns and things like that, but that's just the way it is. Um, so, yeah. So, and I don't know if this would be a segue into the kind of getting help section of, of, the, of what we're going to talk about, but with a, with a pub... They've got a responsibility where they once someone gets drunk, they they are supposed to stop serving them alcohol. Yep. And there's telltale signs that someone's drunk. You know, they slur their words, they fall over, they reek of alcohol, all that kind of stuff. Other than you paying attention and noticing the fact that some person has been sitting at that same machine, you know, for hours and they're in every day, that kind of thing. How do you how do you know that someone's got a gambling problem and therefore you should stop providing that service? Or are you? do you legally have to stop providing that service? 
Well, there, there's, there's, I don't think there is. I think a lot of it's self-reporting. Um, there is supply. So there's rules about, you know, poker, uh, uh, ATMs at, at venues and how much money you can take out. I think I saw at a venue the other day that you maximum allowed to take out of an ATM in the venue is $500 in a 24-hour period. I know that there's ways to bypass that because you could go to a, um, a an ATM off-site, get more money and go back in, but it's taking away that impulse withdrawal moment of it. Um, that's, I suppose, some of the issues with online uh, gambling. Um, I know that they were trying to bring in, and I'm just having a look, that they're, they're looking at trying to enforce having... Uh, like mandatory limits and things like that. So, yes. So, so ba- basically, what they're they're saying is that they people need to be self aware of what's going on and try and ex- self exclude themselves from these things. Um, and that there's services like um, Gamblers Help, um, our Lifeline, um, and also Health Direct direct.gov.au, which will push you to state-based services, that people can get help. And the first thing, with any level of addiction, I mean, alcohol addiction is, you know, quite... Well, the thing is, there are a lot of people who are high-functioning alcoholics that you would go, I don't realise that you're completely wasted right now. So, um, you know, the first step with any level of addiction is acknowledging that you've got a problem. And that's up to the individual or, you know, supported by an individual's family or friends to identify that that's a problem there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's going there. But but having exclusion, they're looking at creating a register where you can self-exclude. So you can say, I shouldn't be doing that. And if they notice you at a venue, they can kick you out. How effective that is, I really don't know. But it may stop you signing up for betting agencies, um, you know, betting so online betting services and things like that. Because it is a quite easy to go and set up a fresh account, yeah, you know, a different email address or whatever. But if they have some sort of register, they can shut you down pretty quick. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, what we'll do is I don't think there's much else more to add on that. No, probably not. And, I um, mean, we've kind of touched on it just then, but I don't know whether you want to kind of reemphasize the places yeah. people can go to get help. So there's the the there's the Gamblers Help website. One through uh, this is for people in Australia. Gamblershelp.com.au, or call the free gambling helpline on one eight hundred eight five eight eight five eight. There's also, and I've just lost the page that I was on. There is also healthdirect.gov.au, which has a page on gambling addiction. And it can help you identify that and um, can push you through to, um, you know, psychologists and things like that as well If it's a, to determine if you've got an actual issue. And the other thing is Lifeline uh, also has uh, assistance with problem gamblings, gamblers. And there's also things like Gamblers Anonymous and there's also Gammonon, which um, uh, any 12-step program like Alcoholics Anonymous has Alanon. They're actually support services for family and friends to help support you. So there you go. So uh, have a look at that on your website. I know that we haven't really talked. We we said we're going to push online gambling, and we're not going to sit there and talk about, oh, well, you can go and play poker online. I mean, you can do that. I saw ads for poker machines online and stuff like that. And interestingly, you know, um, one of the big um, companies that created a poker machine um, system called Lightning Link, which apparently has become the biggest poker machine uh, format on the planet at the moment, developed in Sydney. And that you could get that from an online, like you can download an app or go to a website and see an online version of that particular platform as well. So, um, yeah, it's quite scary what you can do. Um, but if you um, put limits on your credit card, put daily limits on there, you know, you can talk to your bank about what doing things. And the other thing is, this is in terms of paying for it, I would say this. Don't use a credit card. No. Because if you go and put money into a service on a credit card, 
it can be seen as a cash advance, so you're paying more interest on it. If you if you're controlled for all for you know gamble, but stick to your limits. I have a separate account that I put a cash amount into, usually fifty bucks, and that's about as exciting as it gets. And that and I use a debit card to pay for it on there, or even PayPal. But um, yeah, use those services. Stick to your limits, and if you think you've got a problem, speak to Lifeline, Gambler's Help, follow up even with your GP, and they can support you through a, a psychologist service and things like that. Yeah. So by all means, we're not saying don't gamble, but I think that the problems are too big to ignore, and the fact that you can sit there at home and do it in the dark in your undies um, makes it even worse. Yeah. So, yeah. I remember... Um- Back before the online thing was a thing, he actually had to go to a casino. The oh, method yeah. I used was I started with X amount, and so I had that in my left hand, and then I would put a bet on or whatever, and then if I lost, well, then so be it. And if I won something, that would go my right hand. And as soon as the stuff in my left hand was run out, no matter how much I had in my right hand, that was the end of the night. And if I finished up, great. If I finished down, well, then so be it. Absolutely. Good way to do it. Um and yeah, don't be afraid to walk away, mm. as you said. And um, don't if you have a win, go. Well, I don't need to be here for another five hours. Go and sit at the bar and have a drink if you're waiting for people. Yeah. It's all good. Anyway, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to finish up that topic. If you've got any thoughts on online gambling, if there's something we haven't covered, because I think we've just stumbled over that a little bit. To be perfectly honest. Um, make sure you send us an email, mytechopinion at prosumerit.com, um, and uh, we will look it up and talk about it. That's just the way to go. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a very t- a short break, and then we'll be back to wrap up the show straight after this on My Tech Opinion. It is time to wrap up My Tech Opinion for another episode, episode number 32. Thank you very much, Shane. No worries. Thanks, Phil. And uh, I'm going to go out and fly the drone. Fly the drone. I am going to um, work out whether I can use this white Yamaha box for everything, see if I can take that little cover off and plug a microphone in it and then give my um, sound mixer a ceremonial burial probably. Nice. And I get some dinner. Have a, have a look. I don't know if we talked about it in last week's show. Have a look. It's probably not going to work for the, the way that we use it. Rode, who makes the microphone that I use, have bought a new mixing panel called the Rode Caster Pro, which is a podcasting mixer. Looks awesome. I want one. Not going to buy one because I don't need one, but I want one. One day I'll win my money and set up my podcast studio. So it should be all good. Well, if you're one of those people that you know, don't check lot of tickets and that kind of stuff, you could be a millionaire already and not know it. I don't know. Well, I buy it online now, so get around the problem. Um, they they will ring me, and guess what? I don't get the phone call. Yeah. There must be a limit on that as well. Because you know, like if you win something, you can't go back to. I think it's like second division or above. You can't go back to the place you bought the ticket from. They usually send you into the lotto place. Yeah, and even I think at pokey venues, if you win more than two thousand dollars, it has to be sent, given to you in check. Mm. So what happens if you now on the. Yeah, if you actually were to win Division One or something, do you get it put straight in your account if it's all online? Well, I don't know. They will only pay Division One through bank transfer anyway. Oh, okay. So they will call you, and then you probably need to go in there and have discussions with them. Yeah, because I think they actually make you talk to a financial advisor and stuff. I think they provide one for yeah. you. So don't worry, I don't need a financial advisor. My wife is an accountant, and we've already worked out how I'm divvying up all that money. So, and I won't be telling anyone about it, depending on how much I win. Of Wish course. I had some finances that I could be advised on. <laughs> well, true, it's a bit like that, yeah. isn't it? On our next episode, we are going to talk about digital music publishing and recording, and what you can do these days. It's amazing. You used to have a record label, now you can just do it yourself. Yeah. So we'll talk a bit about that on our next episode. If you, as I said, if you've got any questions or suggestions, send us an email, mytechopinion at prosumerit.com. I think it's time for us to finish up the show, Shane. Yeah, absolutely. I'm getting hungry. 
Yes. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening in. We'll be back with another episode in a week's time. And we look forward to talking to you then. Bye, everyone. Bye.